Good morning. It's so good to be in the house with you today. My name is Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're in the middle of a series. We're ending today a series called Go Tell It. It's a series about evangelism. But before that, I just want to make a quick announcement and do a little vision casting for our church. We, our, our mission is uh, making disciples who make disciples. We want to help lost people be found, found people be free, and free people empowered. How many know that just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean everything's perfect? We got some problems sometimes. That we, you know, Jesus called to Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came out not free. He came out tied up. Uh, so we want to help people get untied. That's part of what our church, the, the, the ministry of the church is, is, uh, is to do, is to, to help people get untied. And uh, we have several ways of doing that, but we're going to have one more starting in 2024. Celebrate Recovery is coming to New Hope Christian Center. And I'm excited about it. The launch is happening on the, what is it, the 31st, December 31st, 5 p.m. is launch day for our Celebrate Recovery. Uh, If you want to come to the launch day, we're actually going to feed you. We need you to register. The link for that is on the events page. Uh, Just register how many mouths. That's all we're really trying to count there, how many mouths there will be food going into. Uh, And after that, starting in 2024, Fridays at 6, Fridays at 6. Right here, we're going to have Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's a support group for anybody's hurts, habits, or hang-ups, because we want to help you get untied and stay untied. Uh, and it's a, it's a valuable ministry. So I hope you look forward to that and participate with that with all of your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's part of our, of our calling. Yeah? Amen. Um, okay, this series is called Go Tell It. And we're looking at the Christmas story from this very particular passage in, in Luke chapter 2. It says, Nearby, in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators in the darkness of night. So it's, so it's dark. Suddenly a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them, and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. They were terrified. Imagine standing in the middle of a parking lot in the pitch black and then all the lights come on. That's how it was. There was another translation that said they could see everything around them on the hillside. Just the light comes on. Everything was lit up. And then the angels announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds. It goes on. As soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into heaven, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation, according to the, the voice translation. They were buzzing with conversation. They went and they, well, they, went, they, they, gold, they golded. They golded. They went. They went and told it. Trying to work, go tell it in, and it's not. Past tenses are hard. Here's the idea, big idea for this, really, the whole series. When Jesus lights up your world, you can't help but tell it. Yeah, that was good. I don't think they knew it over there. When Jesus lights up your world, you can't help but tell it. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So that's what we've been talking about. The first week I explained that this is a very natural reaction. If you've truly encountered Jesus, if he actually lights up your world, you're going to wind up talking about it. If it changed you, it's, it's natural. It's not something you've got to push out. It should be natural. Secondly, we looked at why Jesus came and who he came for. He came, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, and he came, I think he came for some of the people that you would just assume not be around. The angels showed up first to the shepherds. And that day, shepherds were despised. They were not highly favored. 
people. So God's coming after everybody. And last week we looked at we are sent to receptive people. God has not called us to go to people that want to punch us. He's called, he's called us to go to people who will listen. He's called to go to people that are receptive, the receptive people. We call them people of peace. And today, it's the finale of the Go Tell It series. We're looking at very practical advice, nitty-gritty. When it comes down to it, you and one other person, what do you do? That's what we're talking about. Uh, and I, I could just imagine some of you are thinking right now, this is a really good sermon for someone else. You know, you know if that's your calling, you know, for, for the people if, that, that are... You know, if, if you're called to evangelize, if you're called to point people towards Jesus, this is a good message for you. Uh, if I may, I'd like to blow that up. Pointing people to Jesus is not for other people. It is for the Christian. There is a specific ministry gift, a specific supernatural gift of evangelism, but we all are called to be an evangelist. If you're a Christian, this is for you. You can't get away from it and still believe the Bible. Jesus told us, you will be my witnesses. So Jesus said it. That should, that should be enough. But in case it's not, let me give you a little more. The apostle Peter told us, always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So, so we're going to be prepared. We're going we're gonna to be ready because... Jesus said we're going to be witnesses, and Peter says we ought to, and he's not the only one. Paul taught it. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Ten chapters later, I think ten chapters later, uh, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Some of us got some ugly feet, but they can be beautiful. The, God, the, the, the Bible calls them beautiful if we're taking good news, if we're carrying good news to somebody. Warts and all it's, all, it's all beautiful. The entire gospel of, well, the gospel, Jesus, the gospel is encapsulated with this idea of evangelism and, and telling, and telling. Let me ask you this. What do you think Jesus wants to make you? If there's a phrase in the Bible where Jesus says, I'm going to make you blank, what would you suppose that blank would be? I will make you generous. I will make you a better husband. I will make you compassionate. I will make you less selfish. How many think those are good things? Those are, those are good things. But there's a line in the Bible where Jesus said, I will make you, and it's not any of those. Okay, don't give it away yet. I hear somebody cheating. Mark 1.17, the beginning of the book of Mark, the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. That's what he wants to make us, fishers of men. What he's saying is, is you, this normal thing, who's he talking to? He's talking to fishermen. So what he's saying is, I'm going to use the fisherman life. Follow me and I'll teach you how to use the fisherman life for the kingdom life. And if, he was, if Jesus was standing here today, I think he'd say, I think he'd, he'd say to the nurses, he would say, follow me. And I'll show you how to use the nurse lifestyle, the medical profession, for a kingdom cause. Follow me, and I'm going to show you how to, how to use the engineer life for a kingdom cause. Follow me, and I'm going to show you how to make the, the factory worker life for a kingdom cause. If you follow Jesus, you're a fisher. 
you follow Jesus, you're a fisher. Fishermen fish. It's what we do. That's how Mark begins. Mark 1.12. I'm sorry, 17. The end of Mark ends with a similar idea. Jesus said to them, go unto all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm telling you, you can't get away from this idea. This is not a good message for some other Christian that has a particular calling. This is a message for all Christians. You can't get away from it. This is the whole purpose. We don't get a free pass. Nobody taps out on this. Doesn't have to be scary. I I hope I've de-freakified it a little bit. But you are an evangelist. Does that freak you out a little bit that I just called you an evangelist? I think, uh, like like when I say evangelist, what what comes to your mind? What do you imagine? Okay. I I, I like, uh, when I think of evangelist, just what comes to my mind is a, is a preacher that has some phlegm in his throat. You know. I love God. He's got a... You need to believe in what I say. He's got a little... Anybody think of something like that when you think of the word evangelist? Am I the only one? Now think of two or three adjectives that describe the person who's most responsible for you coming to the Lord. The person that's most responsible for you coming to Jesus. Two or three adjectives. Just get them in your mind. That's an evangelist. That was an evangelist to you. And you can be that evangelist to somebody else. If you're a follower, you fish. This is your, this is your destiny. I want to teach you nitty-gritty tips today. I've got four tips. Four tips that rhyme. You know this message is anointed because it rhymes. That's... All right, number one, become aware. Become aware. First tip of evangelism is become aware. I want you to be aware of two things. Be aware of two things. First, be aware that, that this is your ministry. This is your calling. Jesus expects you to do this. It's an expectation of him. The Bible says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So the president has an ambassador to go to other countries. He expects that ambassador to do their job. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Are you catching what I'm putting down? This is an expectation of us. So be aware of that. This is your ministry. Second thing I want you to be aware of is be, be aware of how the process works. Uh, this was really helpful to me because when I realized how the process of someone coming to Jesus worked, it really took a lot of pressure off because I thought it was my job to run around and close deals all the time. Like, are you ready to receive? Let's get the hand in the air. Come on, let me pray right now. And that's not how it works. I mean, it, it may work, but, but uh, maybe God's called you to do that, but, but I would run around just trying to close the deal. But there's, but there's a process involved. That, that process is described here in 1 Corinthians 3.6. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God's been making it grow. Do you see there's a process? It doesn't say everything happened with one single solitary conversation at the lunchroom between break on the Friday. Somebody did something, somebody else did something else, and God did his part. There's a process 
and people coming closer and closer to Jesus. Uh, there's a guy that actually created a, a scale. His name was Engel. Uh, doc, Dr. Engel? I don't, I don't know. Fred? Frank? I have it written. James! There it is. James Engel. Uh, in 1975, published a, uh, a study, and he released his Engel scale. And uh, it's a very linear approach to how someone comes to Jesus. Uh, but don't look too much into it. I, I, the, what we get out of it, the, the benefit that it adds is that there's a process. That there's a process. And if you become aware of the process of someone coming closer to Jesus, it can really help you. It can really help you. So I want to actually share that process with you right now. The, the very furthest away from God someone could be would be like a negative six on the angle scale. This would be resistant. This would be somebody that's, that's hostile. Anybody know someone like that? Just, they're hostile. You mentioned like Jesus and they're ready to punch you. Um, if, if they're there, when someone's there at a negative six, it's probably because they're hurt. It's probably because they've been wounded. Around here anyway, it's, it's probably because they're, they're hurt or wounded. So what do you do? When you reach that person, it's not time to say, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? Don't, don't. They're, they're resistant. You don't get there. The very, what you got to do is just show them that not all the Christians are like that. They were probably hurt by another Christian. Just show them. Just keep living next to them. And show them that not every Christian's like that. You don't have to say it. You just live it. Then hopefully... Your goal, when someone's resistant, your goal isn't to get them to accept Jesus right now, it's to bring them to a negative five. Make them receptive. Hopefully, if they've been around you a little bit, they start to become a little more receptive. If, if they leave the door open a little bit, person of peace. I mean, there's ranges of how open somebody is to the gospel. But, but help them get receptive. And then if they're receptive, they'll listen. They're, they're, they're not, they don't hate you then maybe they might move to a negative three, seeking. They're looking. They realize there's something outside and, and, and they want to know more. They're starting to look. And then they move to, a, to a, neg- a negative three, considering. Some people need a little bit of time. They got to sit and think about it. They got to ponder it. They're really not sure. And I think this can help us. You don't need to get in a hurry. You don't need to get in a hurry on this. Because the, the great thing is that, that Jesus is right. Jesus is righteous, and his ways are right. right. You don't need to get in a hurry. Nothing else is going to work. If, they're not, if you're not dealing with somebody that's miserable and ready, just wait. They'll be miserable soon enough. Nothing else works. Right. Nothing else works. Just, just, just keep praying. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then hopefully they can move to a, a ne- negative two, understanding. They understand. Before you actually become saved and enter a relationship with Jesus, you understand it in your brain. But understanding in your brain doesn't save you. You first got to be ready. That's negative one. This is the, depending on which study you listen to, it's at least over 50% of the people are ready. They will come to church with you next week if you invite them. That's, that's a study. If, if not if a pastor does it, but if someone they know invites them to church, they will. If, we make it, if you make it your goal to get one person in 2024, one drowning person in 2024, to come sit next to you, that would revolutionize our church. Just one person in 2024. That would change everything. And f- or at least 50% of the unsaved are ready. They're just waiting to be invited. And again, these are general concepts. Uh, people take steps is, is the idea. 
And then once they're ready, they just, it's one more little step. Faith in Jesus. Just go a little bit further. They, they have new life in Christ. They, they make a decision to follow Jesus. And that's the process that people take. But it, it doesn't just stop, stop there, according to James Engel. There's some more development. So I'm going to share this with you, too. Uh, maybe that's all the farther you got. I'm going to tell you there's some more. We can move beyond that. Positive one, belonging. You can belong. You can get the church center app and get on the church directory and your face can be there and you can connect with other people. We have groups you can be a part of in the spring and in the fall. And then you grow. You grow. Growing is finding out what God has for you in your life. And, and uh, as you find out what God has for you, you move to the next step. You do what God has for you. You serve. You serve. Most of the growing that God does in our hearts, we find when we're serving. Once, once we get out and do it, we find the growing that, that God wants to do for us. And then, and then finally is sharing, telling someone else. If you feel like you're a mature believer, this is what maturity looks like. You're sharing. You're sharing. All mature organisms develop, and once they're mature, a, a key characteristic of maturity is reproduction. Amen. Come on. Come on. Share. It's a process. Sometimes people jump steps. I mean, again, I don't, wanna, I don't want us to be so stuck in this is exactly how it works. Because, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not like that. But there are steps people take to get towards Jesus. So I want you to be aware of the process. This is how it works. People take steps in your conversation that you're going to have with somebody tomorrow in the, in the, in the, the, the lunchroom or, or on break. You're a step. You, you could be one of... 30 touches before they're ready. Figure out where people are around you. Are they resistant? Well, you have a job to do with those who are resistant. Help them be just a little bit receptive. Show them that not every Christian's that way. Move them just one step further. Does that make sense? Yep. We can help someone move one step forward in every conversation, like always on call. Every conversation, we're helping people go towards Jesus. When we're dealing with those who aren't saved, we're helping them move towards Jesus. And then when we're dealing with those who are saved, the Bible tells us, spur one another on to good works, right? So this is every interaction that we ever have. We should be thinking about moving people a little bit closer to Jesus. There's Jesus. Let's go. Come on. That's good preaching, Pastor Adam. Thank you. All right, here's the second, uh, second tip. The first one was be aware. The second one is commit to prayer. See the rhyme? I feel the anointing on the rhyming. The best way to pray for the lost is to pray through the scriptures. I'm going to share today five verses that you can pray over the person that's lost. You probably know someone who's lost. Maybe an ex or a coworker or family member or child. You know somebody that's lost. This is what needs to happen. You need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. And there's five specific scriptures that you, can, uh, that you can pray over them. And five specific things you can pray over them. And I want you to do this. I'm totally stealing this from something I found on the Prayer First app. The Pray First app. You can get the Pray First app. And there's a section on there about praying for the lost. And this is coming straight out of there. And I just loved it. The first thing you can commit to prayer is, is you can ask the Father to draw them to Jesus. Draw them to Jesus. John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. 
So, so we pray for God to draw them. Ask God to start going after them before you get there. Second thing, pray, uh, commit to prayer. Bind the spirit that blinds their minds. Bind the spirit that blinds their minds. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who have not believed, right? Second Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age. The God of this age, that's lowercase g, that's referring to Satan, okay? The God of the, God of the earthly things, Satan. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they can't see the light of the gospel. So what do we do? We, pr- we, we bind that spirit. Satan has blinded them. Bind that spirit in Jesus' name. Pray against it. That's how we fight against it. The third thing we commit to prayer, pray for them to find a personal relationship with God. This is a big step. A lot of people think they come to Jesus, but they just thought about coming to Jesus. Um, I asked my son last night, I was putting him to bed, I said, Caleb, do you know anybody... Who, uh, do you know anybody that doesn't know Jesus? And he mentioned two names, and he says, they think they know Jesus, or he says, they claim to know Jesus. But Dad, I just think they know about him. People think they know about God, and they think that just because they know about God, that they know him. He's like preaching my message. I was like, that's it, son. That's it. What is it, Caleb? What do you have to do? Well, you got to trust him, Dad. Pray for people to find a personal relationship with Jesus. Being saved is not just about knowing. It's about receiving a spirit of son, a spirit of daughter. Listen to this, uh, Romans 8, 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you, f- that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit re- you received brought about your adoption to sonship, or it would be daughtership as well. This is not just another religion. And a lot of people see Christianity as, you know, the church. It's another, another religion. It's another organized religion. And uh, unfortunately, that organized, this particular organized religion group has hurt a lot of people, leaving them feeling frustrated, angry, or betrayed. But God did not come to build an organization. He came to have a relationship with his children. That's the difference. He came to have a relationship with his kids. So pray for the person to find a spirit of son, a spirit of daughter with God. Here's the the fourth thing to commit to prayer. Pray for believers to cross their paths. Pray for believers to cross their paths. Matthew 9 says, Then he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus told us to pray it, so we ought to do it. Pray for believers to cross their paths. Somebody somewhere is praying for you to be a witness to their daughter, their son, their dad, their their neighbor. Somebody is praying for you to step in the way and, and be a witness of Jesus to someone that they love. And you can be praying for someone to be a witness in someone else. Pray for laborers to go to them. Here's the fifth thing we pray for. Uh, Commit to prayer. Release the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Release the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. When we pray, it gets sent. Ephesians 1 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
so that you can know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Here's what it says. Pray for, pray for their aha moment. No one ever got saved by knowing facts. Facts do not save someone. Faith in Jesus will save someone. So let's, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to allow an aha moment. Go after him, Lord. We just want, want their mind to go, oh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Like, wow, I get it. There's something here. That's a supernatural thing. How does the supernatural work? By our natural prayers. Encountering the super. That's how it works. It's released with, with prayer. Those are the five verses. I hope, do we, do we have a thing? Can we put them all up there? You can, uh, yeah, good. You might want to screenshot that. If you want to pray that, you can have a little photo on your phone and um, you can pray for, uh, pray each of these um, later this week for the, the, the people in your life that aren't saved. Uh, it's right there. You can grab a screen of it or, or screenshot of it, but I'm going to read them for the podcast. John 6, 44, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Romans 8.15, Matthew 9.37, and Ephesians 1.17. All right, we're learning four nitty-gritty, nitty-gritty, we are learning four nitty-gritty tips. That rhyme, become aware, commit to prayer. Number three, show you care. Show you care. They want to know you love them. You don't fight someone into the kingdom. You love them into the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, that verse also says this is how God demonstrates his love. He loved us into salvation. He didn't fight us into it. And so we should be like Jesus and love people into the kingdom of God. We don't need to fight them into it. Too often in the name of holiness and righteousness, we push things away that are evil. That's good. We should push things away that are evil. Yes. But let's be careful that we're not doing that at the expense of showing we care. Like, like just think about it. If somebody is filled with sin, they're drowning in their own sin, and they're going to have a conversation with you, and they're filled with sin. And they're going to have a conversation with you. And you're going to ask them about their life. And their life is filled with sin. What do you suppose they'll talk about? It's filled with sin. Sin's probably going to come out. And I wonder if we might be missing it. If we walk around in righteousness and stick our fingers in our ears and say, Lobby, 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 I can't be a part of this. No, nope, nope, nope. I mean, maybe there's certain areas where you need to put up those walls. But you got to show you care. Yeah. If you don't listen, you, it could be showing that you don't care. If someone tells you that they're in their third ungodly relationship this month, don't say, I can't participate in this. Say, what's his name? Just lean forward. Tell me more. Get, get them talking. When you see someone with 50 tattoos and a couple dozen piercings, don't run from them. Run to them. Say, did that one hurt? Yeah. 
I've done that a couple times. They light up and talk. It's interesting. When someone tells you about how wild their weekend was, don't run. Listen. Because after you listen to them talk about their weekend, only a jerk wouldn't listen to you talk about yours. I know one thing you did this weekend. Church was great. I hope you would say. The pastor told funny jokes. It was awesome. When we show, we glow. It pulls them closer. When we show we care, we glow. And this is the model Jesus used. This is how Jesus did it. It's easy. Jesus did it. He ate lunch with Zacchaeus. Somebody, I mean, that was a scandal. That would have been on YouTube. Man claiming to be son of God eats with dirty, rotten scoundrel Zacchaeus. Like he was the dirt bag of dirt bags in the Jewish world. And it was like a big deal to go somebody, like for a rabbi to go to somebody's house for, for a meal. That was a huge deal. That was a big scandal. What was Jesus doing? Showing he cared. He was showing he cared. He listened. He cared. Paul taught it as well. He says, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I'll even need to eat dinner with a tax collector, in other words. All right, so we become aware. Be aware of the process of how it works. Commit to prayer. Show you care. And if you do those three things, the last one's going to line up. You're going to have an opportunity to do the last one. If, if you are aware, if you commit to prayer, if you show you care, you'd better be ready to share. You better be ready to share because you're going to have an opportunity to share. If you do those other things, you'll have an opportunity to share. Has anyone ever heard it said, um, preach the gospel always and when necessary use words? Have you heard that? Yeah. There's, there's some real good truth to that, right? Our lives should be presenting the gospel. But let me tell you, it's necessary. Use words. It's all right. It's necessary. Uh, have some words ready. When it comes to sharing the gospel, I'm just going to give you this little tip. The most important part to remember is, is the idea of surrender. You've got to give your heart to the Lord. You've got to turn over to him. You've got to surrender to Jesus. If you don't know how to share the gospel of Jesus, it's okay. Just share your church. Just share your church. Start there. Because I'm telling you, everybody has a role. Fishers fish. God wants to make you a fisher of men. So, we, so I'm not going to put the bar up here and be like, all right, here's the uh, perfect way to present the gospel. If you don't know, just invite them to church. Yes. Just invite them to come with you. Meet them at the door. Bring them in. The gospel is really simple. It doesn't start with how terrible someone is. It starts with how God wants us to be together. And then our sin separates us from God. And the only way sin can be taken care of is death. So we're all destined to die. But Jesus died for us. He he paid the bill for us. That's the penalty. He paid the penalty. He didn't owe it, but he paid it. And now anyone who points to Jesus as the answer and opens their life up to him can be like back together. We can have unity. That's the gospel. That's how I present it with my hands. God wants us to be together Sin separates us. Jesus fixed that. And I can be back together with God.
That's the gospel. On your way out today, we have those invite cards. We're going to have them out and around. They're always up on that wall. I hope you grab a pile. We have, we have an unlimited amount. I hope you grab some and use them as a tool to spread the gospel and go tell it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? When we do the things that God told us to do, it is worship. I'll say that again. When we do the things that God told us to do, it is worship. And God told us to be fishers of men. So when we do that, it's worship. Jesus is the light. and He came to us so that we can glow. That's what Christmas is all about. And when we do that, when we glow, we're worshiping. Amen.